This is it, people. This is what you've been waiting for. This is Everyday Celebrity Podcast. The podcast for everyday people with everyday problems trying to find everyday solutions to accomplish everyday goals. Let's start the show. You, you, you. Welcome to another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast, the number one podcast in Oakland, number one podcast in the Bay Area. I'm your host, marvelous host, Jordan Awandi. Today is a special day. It's kind of like a, this is going to be a very uh, personal episode, educational to all the people, because a lot of people don't really know about uh, this type of stuff or this community, so I want to shed light because we just had Pride Month and everything, so what better way to celebrate Pride than to have one of the top activists of our generation? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so humble. <laughs> uh, Forrest, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And how was your day today? It's pretty chill. It's like a really big nap. I'm feeling really good right now. Yeah. Did you eat like an edible or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, to be honest with you, I went to a play party like mm. two weeks ago and it fucked up my sleep schedule to this day. And a now play I'm just party. taking What's a that? lot of naps. What's a play party? A play party is a space where you have the opportunity to have sex with people. Not guaranteed, but it's like oh, an orgy of sorts. Wow. <laughs> okay well we can get into that later <laughs> so uh tell the people uh what you go by like your um your sex and all that stuff um yeah how i identify yeah um i'm a man of trans experience a queer man mm-hmm. um also identify as a spiritual slut mm-hmm now you say spiritual slut. What do you, what exactly do you mean when you say that? <laughs> um, for me, sexuality is an extension of spirituality. Mm. And I think in mainstream culture, there's a common misconception that spirituality is at odds with sexuality. Mm-hmm. Especially if you look at mainstream porn and how violent it is. Mm. But the way I approach sexuality is in a tantric way. It's like deeply healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, you are you originally from the Bay Area? I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Born and raised. Yeah, yeah. It's like I have mixed feelings about it. Mm. How was life growing up there? Um, I didn't enjoy my childhood too much. I would say, like, I had some good times, you know, but uh, not the best environment for a young queer trans person. Mm-hmm. My high school had like 2,000 people in it. It was pretty big. Mm. I didn't know a single queer person. Like, nobody was out. So, yeah. What years were you in high school? Um, I graduated in 2011. Okay. 2011? Okay, yeah, I could see. Uh, so, you weren't like in the 90s and shit like that, right? Yeah. So, you're saying that you, there was nobody, there was like no kids. So, like... If you look at high school kids today, they're like, oh, they're out like freely and shit, right? Yeah. And, and fully accept. So, so it was different back then with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. you see so many non-binary kids too now. Like mm-hmm. I did not have language for that until I was 24. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh shit, I mm-hmm. think that's me. Yeah. And then I moved out here. I was like, I got to get out of here. This doesn't feel right. So when you were when you were growing up, um, now I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions that they might seem dumb questions, but I'm just asking, just pretend that I don't really know anything about uh, this community, right? Okay. So I'm asking just on an educational uh, purpose. So when you were growing up, you you were obviously born female, correct? I was assigned female at birth. Mm-hmm. So when you were growing up in St. Louis, when did you know, or when did you start? When did you know that you were like trans? Yeah. Um, I think I always knew. Like it was always obvious to me mm-hmm. but um i got a lot of negative feedback mm-hmm. from my parents from my environment or just from everybody <laughs> uh so i learned at a very young age to hide those pieces of myself so i think at a subconscious level like i knew it was true and then i couldn't like bring it into my conscious awareness because it felt too scary i didn't want to be alone forever you know? mm-hmm so when did did you uh when did you come out to your parents or did you come out? Yeah, um when I was twenty four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did not go well. No. <laughs> nah. Do you have a relationship with your parents now? Nah. No? Nah, my dad is pretty violent. He's a violent person. Mm-hmm. Trump supporter. Yeah. Uh my mom's like a Trump supporter, but like yeah, just that typical patriarchal dynamic, like mm-hmm. a white woman supporting the white man in silence. And like, you know, it's it's like a different subtle form of violence. But yeah, my dad is like out of my life. I cut him out. Mm-hmm. But my mom, I'm hoping to rekindle with her. She just, she had a hard time processing uh, my gender. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really painful for me to like hold that space for her. And so I needed to take some space. It's been a couple of years now, but um, I sent her a letter in December. I was like, hey, maybe we could start communicating through letters because it's just so painful to talk to her because she doesn't realize how transphobic she is. It just like comes out like in between the words, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just it's it's hard. So now that I'm feeling a little more secure in myself. I've been on testosterone for two and a half years, mm-hmm. presenting male. I'm just feeling so much more peace in my body. And now I'm like, okay, I think I'm ready to reach back out. But I'm still waiting on her letter. Do you have any siblings? Yeah. I have a little brother. He's six. And an older sister. She's like a year and a half older. Didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, How my little you? brother was like a whoopsie. So yeah. he's like my full brother. Do you have a relationship with them? It's a little complicated. Mm. Uh, my sister is a little unstable, I think is the best way to say it. So we've never really had a close relationship. I've tried, but it's hard. It's really hard to be close with her. She's pretty violent and yet yeah, unstable. And with my little brother, it's hard because I wish I could interact with him more, but you know, they all live in Missouri and since I'm not talking to my parents right now, it's kind of hard to get to him. 
So that's something that weighs on me a lot. I think about him often. Mm. So you graduated high school in 2011? Yeah. And then uh, what happened? Um, and then I went to college. And like all of my gay friends, I have so many queer friends now. That's why I moved out here. You know, like mm. I moved here to be in community with queer and trans folks. Mm-hmm. And like all the queer folks I feel like I meet, they talk about their college experience and it sounds so gay. And I'm like, damn, my college experience, I was like still closeted both ways, like queer and trans. So when you were in college, you still weren't fully out yet? No. Okay. Yeah, I went to college in St. Charles, Missouri. It's Mm. a small town. I didn't Mm. want to be there. It's what I could afford. It was accessible. But it was like... There's this weird dichotomy between um, like a huge population of international students Mm -hmm. and then a huge population of like hillbillies. They had, yeah, just the campus culture is so like camouflage and like they had like a gun team that was like the best in the nation. (laughs) Kind of not my vibe, (laughs) but I did hang out with all the international students and I spoke a lot of Spanish on campus. Mm -hmm. That was cool. Were you, so were you like dating anyone in college? Uh Yes, my first lover, Andres, mm. Chilean boy. We had this like really interesting uh, long distance romance when I was in high school. Um, so it's weird because I was used to being friend zoned all the time like mm-hmm. in high school and just like my whole life. And then I like fall in love with this Chilean boy. And it's, it's like this completely unlikely romance. But then we did like a long distance relationship for eight months in high school. And mm-hmm. that's before Zoom was popular. So it's like truly, I'm shocked by it. I'm like, how do we do that? Mm-hmm. But we went to the school together and we dated for three years. Yeah, okay. But it was like secretly that you guys weren't out, like out, like going to restaurants and shit together, holding hands. Oh no, we were like a couple. Okay. Yeah, actually, um, <laughs> when I came out as gay, I was 21. And I had just come back from a year abroad. I'd spent a year in Argentina. Mm-hmm. And I started dating this girl from Honduras that went that was at our school and like casually ran into him in the parking lot and he was so homophobic and like like his only words to me after a year of not seeing each other was like, Is it true that you're dating? And then when I said, Yeah, he looked like he had this disgusted look on his face and he took a step away from me. So he was mad that you were dating a, a woman? Yeah, I mean, it was just homophobia, you know. I think it was hurting his ego. Mm-hmm. But since that time, he's actually come to visit me in California. Of all times, when I was recovering from top surgery, mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt so vulnerable. But, like, he had reached out to me, and he was like, hey, I'm going to be in town for, like, this business trip. Are mm-hmm. you around? I want to connect. And... It was such a beautiful interaction. He apologized for that homophobic response. And he was like, I'm just so happy you're happy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was beautiful. So you, your sexual preference is is what? Bisexual? I identify as pansexual. I mean, it's so nuanced with all these words that we use. Yeah, yeah, I get confused. like So explain what what is pansexual. (laughs) Pan just means like expansive like if you think of a panorama like it's like a huge wide array Mm. so i mean some people like the word bisexual it doesn't feel good to me because like it implies there's like only two like two sexes or two genders which Mm. isn't really accurate 
pansexual feels more expansive. Like I'm just attracted to humans.、Mm-hmm. You know, it's、mm. more about the vibe than it is like the genitals.、Mm. Okay. So,、uh, I mean, were you dating women in、uh, in high school? No. No. I mean, I think I've always had a stronger emotional connection with women, but and I've definitely had girl crushes in high school. But I like played them off. I was like, no,、nah, I can't. Bisexuality isn't real. So I like guys. I know I can't be gay. I was always like talking myself out of it.、Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you have someone in high school that you were able to talk to about shit like this? Oof. <laughs> No, not really. Yeah, I was like, I grew up in an abusive household,、mm. and I felt a lot of shame about that. Like, there's just so much violence in my house, and I felt like on so many levels. Pull, sorry, pull the mic closer to you. Yeah, how's this? Yeah, all right. Um, I felt like in high school, I was like just hiding everything about my life because I was thinking like, if someone finds out how fucked up my family is, like. No one will want to be friends with me. I'll like die alone. No one will want to marry me. These are my high school thoughts. So I was in no position to be telling people about my sexuality. I was too like repressed, you know.、Mm-hmm. Do you feel that's a reason? One of the reasons、uh, for a lot of teens who like commit suicide. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I've definitely flirted with suicide.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially,、um, I, I used to be an alcoholic、mm. uh, when I was living in St. Louis. After I graduated school, I just felt so depressed, and it was like hard for me to make friends in St. Louis because all the cool queers would move away.、Um, yeah, just there wasn't like the community I needed out there. So, ooh, yeah, I was drinking my problems away. But then it hit a point where like. Even the alcohol couldn't mask my transness, and I just had to like admit to myself, like, "Bro, you're trans," <laughs> you know.、Mm-hmm. And when I admitted that to myself, I spent the whole day in my room, like, hyperventilating, crying. My eyes were puffy, and I was like, "Is it worth living?" I'm not sure. Like, I actually was like contemplating that. I'm like, "What do I do from here?" I don't know if I want to do this, but here we are, you know. So that was that was the the point of time where you were like, "Okay, I need to." Start transitioning. Yeah, I made a very conscious decision in that moment, like because it had always been there below the surface, but it was that point where I finally hit my breaking point, where I was like miserable and I couldn't cope, and I was like, okay, I'm either gonna like take an empowered step forward and like own my reality, or I'm just gonna like live in hiding and like live under alcohol or cannabis or whatever the distraction was at the time.、Mm. And I chose to move forward. I chose to move out here and like start a new life, basically. So, have you ever been to California before you moved here? Yeah, yeah. My best friend、uh, from college was a film major, and she moved to LA.、Um, so I went and visited her in LA, and I was like, "Damn, I gotta move out here." <laughs>、mm. So you first moved to LA? No, I、um, wasn't really interested in moving to LA.、Um, I mean, there's a lot of cool things there too, but I what brought me to Oakland is that intersection of like spirituality and activism. There's、mm-hmm. a huge community of that here, and、um, yeah, I really wanted to like get rid of my car and just bike, and so I'm able to do that here. And in LA, I think it's harder. Okay. 
So when you, uh, so you left, you graduated college, and then did you come out here as soon as you graduated? What was the What no, was the time frame? No, I if my baby brother wasn't born, I would have moved way sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was so hard to leave that kid. Um, I left when he was three, so uh, I think he was like one at my college graduation. Yeah. Okay. So when you got to California, tell me, uh, how was that? Were you like a kid in a candy store? Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah, it was really exciting. I remember like I went to the farmer's market because that's my happy place. That's the thing that grounds me, like a weekend routine. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I did was like, where's the farmer's market? And just something so simple as going to a fucking farmer's market and just like seeing trans people and it's like no big deal. Like a trans person selling me carrots, I like was tearing up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, oh shit, I can like start a life for myself out here and just be normal, and it's like not going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was like the the main reason you wanted to move. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good because I mean the South. I despise. I say this over and over. I, I don't like the South. I would never live in the. So, because just the history of the South and the fact that they're so, like, behind in times, like, yeah, shit is crazy. Yeah, Missouri is technically the Midwest. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you're not in a city, like, I Mm. mean, rural culture is, like, rural culture. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about... uh, uh, you transitioning. What? um, So, basically, what's, like, the first step in this process so it's different for everyone um i can share my experience like some people do things in different orders what felt what felt good to me was to start hormones i wanted to do that like right away so i was able to do that like two months after i moved here and Mm -hmm. that felt like a huge relief so relieving like even when i was still getting misgendered and people were like using she her pronouns for me Mm-hmm. just being on testosterone like just you know being able to like for me i took it in uh lotion form mm-hmm. so just putting on that lotion every day oh my god it really just gave me like a light at the end of the tunnel that yeah and explain what hormones do what, like what do they do to you yeah um i'm not as well versed in like the opposite end of the trans experience but for with testosterone um the first change that happens which is the most exciting change is bottom growth Mm -hmm. um so like i refer to my genitals i call it my dick or my cock but Mm -hmm. like technically it's a clitoris you know Mm -hmm. so like my clitoris grew um it's so fun it yeah sex is like so much more fun and delicious (laughs) (laughs) all right wait a minute wait a minute so when you're taking hormones, you're saying that you're growing a penis? Essentially, yeah. So the thing about human anatomy is mm. that when you're in the womb, like it's all the same genitals. And then when you add testosterone, then you start developing a penis. And then um, the people who don't, like the people who have more estrogen in their body, they it's like if you do nothing, you will develop a vagina basically Mm -hmm. so now that i'm adding testosterone like i have the same materials 
that a penis would have. It's just a different size. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's cute and little, like the size <laughs> of my pinky. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So how, uh, <laughs> mm. so how long do you have to be on home? I was like forever. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what you want. Um, I don't enjoy the logistics of taking hormones forever, but um, I don't menstruate mm. now that I take testosterone and it would send me into like a mental breakdown if I did start menstruating again. So mm. I don't see myself getting off of testosterone. And you still take the the lotion form? Yeah, I take, it's like a gel form. It's very similar. Okay. Yeah, but if you stop testosterone, like if I were to stop testosterone, like my voice would remain this level of deepness. My facial hair would remain like all my body hair basically, but my body fat would redistribute. Mm. So it would go back to like a more feminine figure. Mm. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Where do you get these hormones from? Do you just got, you just go to a doctor and say, yo, I want to, trans i want to start transitioning and i just give it to you oh man um how did i do this i went to lion martin they're a health clinic in sf they serve like women and trans folks mm -hmm. um and they don't take like they're for like low-income people so that was super helpful for me um it was super easy for me to get on hormones there was like a small process i had to go through i can't remember if i got interviewed by a therapist for that but in order to get top surgery, I did need to get interviewed by a therapist. And oh, that process was excruciating. It took like 10 months from start to finish. Like, yeah, wait, wait, wait. We'll, we'll get into top surgery yeah. in a bit. But let's, let's, let's stick to step by step. <laughs> All right. So uh, you had to go to a clinic in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, um, you, so basically you can't go to like a, like a Kaiser. Hmm. I'm not actually sure about that. Um, okay. So here's the thing about trans health. Like trans people have been around for millennia, you know, and colonization has like oppressed us and our existence and tried mm -hmm. to erase us. Um, but so like medically speaking in like the medical industry, like there's not a lot of research about trans folks. It's, it's like a huge experiment almost. Um, so it's hard to find good trans competent care. Like you could go to a average Joe doctor and they could like take some guesses and like try to take care of you. But it's way better to go to like LGBTQ center or something that's like super specific and get like, <clears throat> like a referral for someone who specializes in that stuff. Mm. Like my doctor was a trans guy. It was such a fucking godsend. Cause even he was saying like, yeah, you know, this was my experience. You might experience some of these symptoms, but like the medical books won't tell you that. Like we're all just like word of mouth right now. What are the symptoms and mm -hmm. stuff like that? Okay. Um, so after you got the hormones, what was the next step after, after taking hormones? Well, matter of fact, when you started taking hormones, did you, how fast did you start seeing uh, results? It's a very slow process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to like, uh, puberty, mm -hmm. um, it's like actually really quick. It's like a very fast puberty, but I mean, when you're like contemplating suicide, you know, like I could barely leave the house sober because it was so painful to like 
be perceived as a woman in the world. Um, so the time felt like excruciatingly slow, but I did a monthly voice comparison. So each month, like the first month, you don't notice anything except for a little bit of bottom growth. And you're like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? This is so cool. And you're like horny all the time, mm. <laughs> like any other puberty. Mm-hmm. But then the second month started noticing a deeper drop. But then by month three, like, oh my God, it really picked up. Like my voice was changing octaves in a big way from like month three to month 10. And then it kind of leveled out from there. I feel like I've been level for a while. Okay. Yeah, but the facial hair, like, man, that takes a long time. It takes, it's different for everyone, but it takes at least a year and a half, anywhere from like a year and a half to like three or four years to really like grow out your facial hair. So, uh, so after that, what was the, what was the next step in your, your process? Um, I also changed my name legally. Mm-hmm. My birth name was pretty painful for me. It's like a very feminine name. Just like, wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I originally chose Quinn as my name, um, but I outgrew that. So right now my legal name is Quinn, but I go by Forrest. I just don't want to go through that process. I'm not ready again yet. It's too much (laughs) (laughs) trying to settle in. All right. So you got the, you got the, you got the hormones, you got the name change. Yeah. Uh, is this when bottoms, uh, top surgery came in? Yeah, so I started the process for top surgery in December, like the same time I did. And did did you always know that you were going to get top surgery? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like from day one. Mm -hmm. And explain what top surgery is to the people who don't know. Yeah, so um, it's essentially like a double mastectomy um, where they remove um, your chest fat. That's how I'd like to say it in a way that feels good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I have a flat chest and I have a pretty big scar that goes like from armpit to armpit across mm-hmm. my chest. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said you had to talk to a therapist before? Oh, yeah. There's all these um, legalities. You have to, it's like a big bureaucratic process and it does not feel good emotionally. Now, why do they make you do that? <sighs> the straights are in power and they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> you know how like, do you like cannabis? No, I don't smoke. Oh, dang. But you can tell me the analogy, go ahead. Yeah, so, like, if you go to a dispensary and you get, like, I don't know, something so simple as, like, an eighth of weed or even just a joint, it has all this, like, super extra packaging that you don't need with all mm. these, like, child safety locks and stuff. It's It almost makes it feel like, oh, my God, what am I about to consume when it's, like, not a big deal? Mm-hmm. And it's because I imagine the people who made those rules aren't actually consuming cannabis. They're probably just scared of it. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I was identifying as non-binary. I was using they, them pronouns, but I lied in my interview and I said, yeah, I'm a trans man. I use he, him pronouns. Cause I was scared they weren't going to let me do it. You know, like it's, you have to get approved by the man. Mm-hmm. Did you have to get approved by that same clinic where you were getting the hormones? Hmm. Or is this like a whole different, uh, hospital? Yeah. The thing about Lyme Martin is like they, specialize in like trans care so they have a beautiful process where it, it felt easy like they just held my hand through the whole thing and they said we're going to set you up with a therapist in house they're going to send this somewhere else and then you got to wait for your insurance blah 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 so it's covered by your insurance yeah yeah thank god yeah because 
when I moved out here, I quit my job and started a whole new career as a life coach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was really struggling to find like temp work in the meanwhile, as I was like honing in my craft. So I was like in some pretty extreme poverty and uh, it was really stressful and I'm really grateful for Medi-Cal. It was able to cover a hundred percent of my surgery and it legit saved my life. So how long did the surgery take? Uh, the operation? Mm-hmm. Like a day. I was in and out that same day. Had some people taking care of me at home. Mm. The recovery was pretty brutal. They make you wear this really tight compression vest, mm-hmm. um, which is like the last thing you want on your body um, after top surgery because you want to feel that freedom of like, I have a flat chest. Mm-hmm. Because they have these um, devices called binders that you can wear before top surgery. They're essentially like bras, but um, flat. They compress your chest. They're really tight. So it was. It sucked to like feel all that pain. You know, like it's a big deal the surgery, and then to have to wear that compression vest and like not be able to see the result. You have to like wait for it. Mm. How was it when you were finally able to see your chest? Did you break down crying? You know, I thought I was going to break down crying, but I didn't. (laughs) I've seen a lot of cute videos on the internet of people crying when they see their chest. Mm -hmm. I just felt so full of joy. It felt like too good to be true. And I felt like I saw myself, which sounds so cheesy, but I was just like, oh, there I am. Like, what a fucking relief. Was that the the final, like, oh, I'm finally 100% done after, after that surgery? I mean, I was still going through, I mean, I'm still going through puberty. It's an interesting thing to go through two puberties in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it didn't, it it felt like a good step in the right direction. But then, you know, my scar is still healing. Mm -hmm. It's been a couple of years since I had the surgery now. When did you have the surgery? Um, October. A year after I moved here, whatever year that was, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. So um, let's talk about this. Uh, so another reason why I wanted to interview you is because uh, I was reading an article about um, some stuff that you that you do. And let's talk about this. Uh, you give, you're also a teacher, correct? You know, like you give like a masturbation class. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah, I guess I wear many hats. I'm primarily a coach, but I offer classes too. So explain to me exactly what uh, <laughs> this class is. Yeah. So um, it's funny. I've actually rebranded it as an energy healing just because my content keeps getting censored from Instagram and TikTok and it's mm-hmm. really hard to promote it. Mm-hmm. It just gets taken down. So, um, it's an energy healing. The idea is to like, um, you know, we just have so much trauma, like collectively that we're all experiencing in our individual levels. And for queer and trans folks, it's even more amplified. There's so much body shame and just, you know, so I like to help people um, uh, get underneath the the trauma that gets like locked in the body, the stuff that you can't just talk out. Like you have to like do some somatic practices. Mm-hmm. So we combine some EFT tapping. It's called emotional freedom technique. 
you just tap along the energy points along uh, the meridians of the body and it frees up energy. Um, and then we do like a guided meditation and then I guide people through a masturbation. And the idea of the masturbation, it combines breath work um, and it's like synchronized to music too. So there's like a rhythm that you get into and um, it helps move the energy throughout the body. You know, when you masturbate, like your heart starts racing mm -hmm. and it helps just like clear out the system. So this is men, women, everybody? It's for people with vulvas. So like trans men, non-binary folks, mm. cis women. Oh, okay. And you guys are all what, like sitting around in a circle? <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, I'd I'm love trying to, to get a physical. Uh, I'm trying to get a, uh, a mental image of this. This one was on Zoom. So I just had, I just facilitated my first one uh, yesterday. It was amazing. Such a great, it was fun and people got so much out of it. It was really exciting. Um, and I'm going to do a monthly on Zoom for now until I feel like I can trust. Zoom. I'm scared. I'm a little nervous to plan in-person events mm. still. Like I need to, I'm because not sure of the about the COVID, COVID situation. Yeah. 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 I've got a couple in-person events coming up, but I'm still, I got one foot in, one foot out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what made you like put on this event? Um, these are practices I do with myself, you know, like I have experienced so much healing through just like exploring my own sexuality like especially like when i came out as trans and i started the hormones and i was like masturbating like three times a day and i felt so much shame about it because i was conditioned to feel shame about my sexuality as a woman mm -hmm. and then it's like all of a sudden i have a fucking beard and i'm feeling all this body shame and i'm like wow i need to unlearn this like it's normal for me to masturbate so i've i've developed these practices where i use masturbation as like a, a tool almost like yeah, like you can shift your energy um, the, by the way you approach it. And I wasn't seeing anyone else like doing this. So I feel like there is a big need in the community to like do some really deep healing on a somatic level that just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And your, fir your first ever event uh, was yesterday? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, the topic was you are worthy of receiving. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a different topic each month. What uh, happens at the end of the class? Um, Everyone just wipes up and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so for this one, people turn their cameras off for the masturbation part. I had my camera on. I was guiding people. Um, but yeah. But you can, you can hear them? You just can't see them? No, I couldn't hear them. Oh, you can, you can hear them. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I mean, if you want to have that kind of experience, come to my play party. I'm hosting one on August 7th. Right. yeah we'll get into that place yeah right. yeah um but this is more of like a, people need their privacy like it is really uh out of people's comfort zone to come to an event like this because mm -hmm. it's the people that don't feel easy about sexuality that's the people that need this kind of stuff it's like helping heal our relationships with ourselves so that we can enjoy our bodies more mm -hmm. so that sense of privacy i feel like is actually really helpful so then we do like a 20 minute guided masturbation and then like five minute bio break like clean up finish yourself off if you want to whatever you need <laughs> <laughs> and then um if people want to stick around they can and we just debrief mm. and that was like honestly my favorite part and is uh were there like people all from just the bay area or it's like it was a big crowd there was people from all over the u.s there um there's just 11 people that came mm. it was a nice 
a lot of trans guys, a lot of cis women. I felt good about like, it was a pretty diverse crowd. You say cis women, what is a cis woman? Cis gender people are people who identify with the sex they were assigned at birth. Mm -hmm. So if you're not trans, you're cis. Okay. It's CIS. Mm. Do you think, um, like, uh, it's getting too overboard with, um, with the pronouns and all that stuff nowadays? <laughs> like the he, me, she, her, all that stuff? I love it. Okay. So it's you don't so think it's, you don't think it's like overkill? No. Okay. No, it's cool. What I love about pronouns is that like you're saying like if I ask you your pronouns, I'm basically not making any assumptions about how you identify. Mhm. Mm it's like yeah, when when people used to misgender me all the time, it would be so painful. Like I was seriously like on the brink of like I was barely alive, you know? I was numbing out most of the day. Mm -hmm. And so if people could just ask me first like how do you like to be called? It could avoid so much pain. But do you, um, like when people misgender you, I mean, do you get mad when they do that? Or do you just say like, oh, I mean, how would they, like if I was walking down the street and me and you and we just randomly started talking, I would obviously think you're just a guy. Yeah. But would, yeah. You, get, would you get mad at that and be like, because a lot of people would get mad and be like, oh no, I'm not blah, blah. I'm like, but how would an average person know that, you know? Right. There's no way of knowing. That's why you got to ask. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But who's going to just randomly ask, oh, are you trans? No one's going to randomly ask you that if they don't know you. Yeah. Well, the idea with asking pronouns is not asking if you're trans. It's just like it's detaching gender from bodies. Mm -hmm. It's like saying, hey, how, what feels good to you? You know, mm -hmm. um, I used to get pretty mad, but I wasn't like angry at people. It was more of just like my heart felt broken that I was living in such like a violent system where like gender was shoved into two binary boxes it's very unrealistic mm -hmm. okay um how do you what do you feel about um there's this big thing in the olympics right i don't know if you follow sports but about trans um people competing like trans men who transition to be women competing against other women and a lot of uh, athletes feel, and a lot of people feel that uh, they shouldn't be able to compete against regular women, you know, mm -hmm. because they they have an advantage because they're still they still have that male like I don't know what you call it. I mean I guess testosterone or whatever. Well, I mean, if they're taking estrogen, then their testosterone levels are not going to be yeah. male testosterone levels. But how do you what what's your what's your view on on, on that? Yeah. Do you think it's fair for trans to trans men who are uh, who transition to be women to compete against other women? Is it fair for trans women to compete against cis women? Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's complicated. Um, I feel like um, maybe I'm more qualified to talk about just the policing that happens in general. Um, like, I can't remember the name of this athlete, but there is a woman, I don't even remember what country she's from, but see, I don't follow sports. Yeah. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. I just get like wind of this very like secondhand. So um, I know there are cisgender women who are like being disqualified from competing in the Olympics because they have higher testosterone levels. Um, but the thing is like, yeah, sex is not binary. 
um, sex is actually a spectrum. It's made up of all these different components. Like hormones is just one of the components. Mm -hmm. And it's completely natural for human beings to have a spectrum of like sexual characteristics from gonads to chromosomes to hormones. Um, so I think it's wrong that we're like policing people. Um, it, it feels the same way that like, you know how like if you go to the grocery store and all the produce, like every potato is like perfectly round and every apple is perfectly round, but mm -hmm. that's not realistic of what nature produces. There's so much food waste because it doesn't look perfectly polished. We just like throw it in the trash. Yeah. The same shit happens with gender policing and sex policing. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's complicated. So you, <laughs> <laughs> do you think they should compete or no? Yeah, I think they should. Okay. All right, so tell me about these uh, these play parties. What is this? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, so it's a different vibe depending on who organizes it, what's mm. the space, what's the theme. Um, the one that I'm hosting with a friend of mine, um, it's a queer kinky play party, so mm. that's the vibe. Um, it's just a space. So, okay, yeah, right. yeah, tell me what exactly is a play party. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, a, a group local that has this um, this expression of like high possibility, low expectations. I really love that framework because it's not like, I think when you hear the words orgy or play party, you imagine like chaos or like a bunch of like just really intense stuff happening. Mm -hmm. But my approach to play parties is like, there are spaces where there is no shame. Like you just see a bunch of naked bodies um, especially for me to be in a queer and trans space and just see like all these different varieties of naked bodies it makes me feel so normal in my body. I'm like, look, none of our bodies look the same. That makes me normal. Like, mm. and then just seeing people have sex, like it really takes the stigma out of sex. And it's just like, oh yeah, it's just like a thing you do, just like eating. Like it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So they're really fun spaces to be in. Um, usually the first time you go like my first time i was scared shitless i was really overwhelmed <laughs> just mm -hmm. watching the first time but you know i've been to so many at this point over the years and each time i go i feel a little bit more free the first time you ever went to a play party how did you find out about it oh my god it was an accident it was my first week in uh the bay area and i was like i'm gonna go make some friends so i went to this uh this meetup for trans uh, female to male people. And we met up at this, uh, coffee shop, Wicked Grounds in SF, which is like a kink friendly coffee shop. And they were all talking about, yeah, we're going to go to this play party afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I like, sure, let's hang out, like parties. So you thought it was like some techno <laughs> shit, huh? Like a rave? <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah, I thought we were just going to someone's house or something. Okay. And so I was biking and so I met them all there and I get there and I, my jaw just like dropped. There's all these naked people in there. And I was like, where the fuck am I? Was it uh, like a venue or like somebody's house? It was a venue. It was at a place called Eros, which is, I think, like a like a bathhouse, like a for gay men. Okay. Yeah. So you walk in. Oh, my God. Yeah. There's a bunch of naked people just on the floor. Just hanging out. No, they weren't. So at the... Um, in the entrance, like the, that's where all the snacks and socializing were. It was very low key, mm -hmm. but people were like 
you know, just like naked in conversation, snacking on some grapes, like meeting people, mm-hmm. you know. But then you go upstairs and that's where like the playing happens. But even just being in that space, like I think I walked around in three circles <laughs> before I was like, should I stay or should I go? And I did, decided to stay. Did you have to get naked? No. Okay. So you can keep your clothes on. Yeah. I mean, it, you're a little out of place, I think, if you're keeping your clothes on. But for me, I took off uh, most of my clothes, but I kept on my binder and my boxers, which felt like it was covering so much of my body anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first time you went, you didn't participate. You were just spectating. <laughs> okay. No, and this cute guy asked to make out with me, and I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> mm. And so after that, um, did you go to a, when was the next time you went? Was it at the same place or a different part? No, a different one. So I went to one that was on the East Bay. Like I, I've lived in Oakland. Um, Oakland and Berkeley is where I've lived since I've been here. So I went to one that was local to me in Oakland that was called QTs, like Q for queer and T for trans. Um, and that was like a much more welcoming experience for me because we had like an opening circle. It felt like the space was held and I could really like settle in. Mm-hmm. Did you participate at that time? Yeah, yeah, except for um, I was dating someone monogamously at the time. So we just played like it was a big deal for me to have sex with my partner in front of a bunch of people. And even some people came up to me as we were like putting on our shoes and leaving. And they were like, I really enjoyed your scene. And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah, it was a lot at the time. But now, like, I'm used to those comments. And I'm like, oh, thank you. (laughs) Do you prefer having sex with men or women? I mean, which one do you enjoy the most? That's a great question. You know, it's like, hmm. It's hard to dissect it from like, it's hard for me to dissect, like to separate the genitals from the personality. So like, I think I mostly prefer to play with women. Mm. Um, I know my way around a vulva, you know, I can like really <laughs> please somebody. <laughs> it's just so fun. Um, and there's like this emotional connection or there's just this sense of like, the way that women are socially conditioned, they're like so focused on the other person, you know? Um, So like, I feel like that's a big component of like how much I enjoy sex is like how much is the person focused on me? Mm. I've had not the best, I've had like okay sex with men, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, penises are fun or whatever, but it's hard for me to like uh, feel that sense of like, oh, you really care about me orgasming too, you know? Not to generalize all men, but it's just way easier for me to like scout out a woman and be like, I know we're going to have a good time together. Mm-hmm. It's not just going to be you focused on yourself. So, you know, you mostly date women. Yeah. Yeah. And other trans folks. I love hooking up with trans folks. Actually. Yeah. Like trans women or trans men or trans non-binary. Like those are also really fun play, play dates. For Why me. do you think that is? Um, there's less assumptions about how the interaction's gonna go. Mm-hmm. There's no script laid out for like, like for example, uh, how would you identify sex if I asked you what is sex to you? 
Um, I mean, identify. I mean, this might sound like a caveman answer, but <laughs> <laughs> sex to me is penetration. Right. Like if like if I get head, that's not sex to me. Mm-hmm. Like if I like finger someone, that's not sex to me. But if I penetrate you, that's not sex. Yeah. So that's how I I identify sex. Now some people say, oh, oral sex is actual sex and all that shit, but I don't I don't think so. Yeah. That's just my personal belief. Yeah. That's a very common like uh cultural narrative mm-hmm. and a lot of people believe that. But I don't knock anyone else's belief, you understand what I'm saying? I, like yeah. if you believe differently, that's fine. I accept your shit too. You know? Yeah, it's sexuality is like to each their own, you know, mm-hmm. like every person I date or play with, I ask them, I'm like, what do you consider sex? Because it's literally like a different answer from mm-hmm. everyone. And for me, sex is a very wide definition it's like oral it could be you know it, like really anything beyond kissing like even if i'm like groping your boobs i'm like wow we just had sex <laughs> <laughs> damn well if that was the case i'd have had sex with thousands and thousands of women yeah yeah that's crazy yeah so what i like about hooking up with trans folks is that like usually we've had this experience where we've had to like question ourselves like how do we define sex and so there's no script laid out like everything is to be negotiated Mm -hmm. and then it's really fun it's more creative more playful i think Mm -hmm. do you think um you guys have good uh representation when it comes to like society when it comes to like laws and healthcare and shit like that Uh, not at all i mean we're making progress for sure but i mean look at where we came from like Mm -hmm. we had a long way to go what do you think is the most challenging thing when it comes to uh your community that you guys need to uh accomplish Uh, i mean honestly the biggest threat to our community is like um just the violence that happens against trans women, especially trans women of color. Mm-hmm. Like, like my experience as a white trans man is completely different from the experience of a black trans woman, you know? So I'm very, I feel very safe when I walk out into the world because all of a sudden I've actually like gained privilege somehow. I'm like, Whoa, this is weird. I didn't ask for this, but, um, so many people still can barely just like leave their house without feeling safe, you know, like, mm that's a basic human right is just to exist, but some people can't do that in peace. Mm-hmm. When you were grown up to how you are now, do you like when you were grown up and in, in society and society saw you as like a girl and now society, I mean, you're trans, but I'm just talking about people who don't even know you who just look at you. They can, they see you as a, a guy, right? Yeah. Do you think, um, like shit was different now like society sees me as a white man now do oh, i yeah. do i do i get i feel like uh, i get these advantages do you feel like that's different than when you were seen as a as a as a woman totally yeah yeah it, it shows up in like little tiny ways for me because it's not so explicit like i don't work at a corporation you know like i work for myself so like it's not like I'm getting like a better pay raise at work or something like that. Mm. It's more like I went into a dispensary one time with my partner who was like a woman of color 
And the guy attending us like wasn't even making eye contact with her and mm-hmm. he was talking to me. And I was like, bruh, like I'm not even buying anything. Like she's buying stuff. Mm-hmm. So that was trippy. Like, yeah. Um, and then something as simple as like, um, I used to ride a skateboard, a longboard mm-hmm. as a woman, you know, and I would get so many microaggressions about that. So much like, comments from men always on the streets of like oh do you know how to ride that thing as i'm riding it and i'm like bruh like it's just so annoying and belittling um and then when i was skateboarding down the street as a man i had this guy stop me on the street and be like hey i've been thinking about buying a skateboard could you give me some tips or something and i told him like i just researched this on the internet and bought it and i forgot everything like i don't know i just made the best decision for me like i don't have any tips for you and he was like so insistent. He's like, no, but you just got to tell, like, give me something. And I'm like, wow, you're like begging for my opinion right now. Whereas before people were like, I could be competent in doing a thing and they would still question my competence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Do you think, uh, well, I, I asked, do you like that? <laughs> No, it doesn't feel, I mean, I don't like either of them. Mm. I just want to be treated like a person, you know, but like people make these assumptions. I can't help it. Mm. They either assume you're stupid or they assume you're smart. Mm. And now I'm being assumed to be smart. Mm. But regardless, like it feels icky because I'm like, ooh, I've been on the other end of that and I'm not trying to be on the top of it either, you know, because it's oppression, you know, Mm. I'm not trying to play that game. Is there any point in time that you regretted doing what you did no no ever (laughs) not a single moment Mm -hmm. no actually i experienced so much gender euphoria these days that like i spend a lot of time in front of the mirror just looking myself into the eyes and being like i can't believe this is our life like i can't believe life feels so good Mm. and i i just love the way i look i love who i am i'm so grateful to be alive i can't believe i was like so suicidal in the past because I'm just so happy to be alive. Mm-hmm. Has dating became become more easier for you mm-hmm. ever since you transitioned? Oh, that's an interesting question. It's hard to say because, like, I live in a bubble in the Bay, you know? Like, there's mm-hmm. such a big queer trans culture here that uh, dating feels easy to me. <laughs> yeah. The only thing... Like, I think if I were staying in the, in St. Louis, Missouri, like it might feel harder for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here, like I date other queer and trans folks, so it's chill. Uh, but the only thing is I do feel fetishized, like actually quite often. And sometimes it's like explicit where they're like, you know, ugh. especially with like gay men, like that whole culture, like the gay male culture is so different from lesbian culture. Um, but even for my loved ones, like people I deeply care about and I know who deeply care about me, like I still feel fetishized by them. And it's like, they're not even trying, but trans people have been so erased from the narrative that people just get anxiety about it. You know, like, like, for example, for someone to tell me like, I'm nervous to have sex with you after we're like really vibing and stuff. And we're not even about to have sex. They just like saying this to share it with me. Mm-mm. It does not feel good for me to hear that. Cause I'm like, if I were a cis dude, you wouldn't be nervous to have sex with me. But at the end of the day, like 
for me, sex is about connection. Mm-hmm. And I don't need to be in love with someone to have sex. I just need to feel some sort of connection. Because really, you're just playing together. And like, sex is an intuitive experience. And if you're connected, you don't need an instruction manual. You know, like you just feel like, oh, this person's really into this. Like they're giving you some kind of feedback. Like you're just sucked into the moment and it all just unfolds organically. And that's what makes sex so magical. Like you can't be anywhere else but the present moment because you're just so immersed in the senses. And then when someone takes me out of that and they're like, reminding me how I'm othered or different, I feel fetishized. I feel like forest disappears or like me as a personality, as a person disappears. And then it's like, they just slap this label on me and they're like, you're trans and now we're different. And now it's going to be weird. Are these gay men saying this? No, no, I don't date too many gay men at this moment. These are, this happens in like my, my like partnered, I'm polyamorous. So I'm dating a few people. Um, but it, it happens in multiple <laughs> relationships. Mm-hmm. How many people are you dating? Um, right now, I'm dating two people. Mm. <sighs> yeah, I'm sad. Um, Sounds uh, recent. Very tiresome. Yeah. No, I mean, so the thing, yeah, it's relationships are relationships, you know? Like, I don't. I don't think it's any more tiring to like be polyamorous than it is to be monogamous. It's just a level of like being in relationship with people, you know? Mm -hmm. And with monogamy, like I think it's really common to be super partnered up and you're spending like all your time together. But when I'm my style of polyamory, it's like um, there's no hierarchy there. It's just like, I'll hang out with you one day of the week, I'll hang out with them one day of the week and I'm not spending all my time with them. It feels very balanced. And like the time that we do spend together is like true quality time. So Mm -hmm. it's not, yeah, it's just a different format doing relationships. But I think if you are bad at communicating, any relationship feels exhausting. Mm -hmm. And I happen to be really good at communicating. So Mm -hmm. it's important for me to date people who are also good at communicating. And then I don't feel exhausted. Okay. Um, do you ever have plans to go back to St. Louis? No. <laughs> no? No. So many people from back home ask me, like, when are you going to come visit? And I'm just like, I'm not ready. I've experienced too much pain there. And I feel like I ran away in a lot of ways and just kind of didn't look back. I, like, mm-hmm. changed my name, changed my gender, changed my career. Like, I'm just, like, a different person. Mm-hmm. And I would like to visit eventually, but it's too raw for me still. I think I would like just burst into tears, you know? When did you start doing uh, life coaching? Um, I had been working with a life coach in St. Louis, which is how I got into it. That's how I even came out as trans. It's the first opportunity I really had to like develop a relationship with myself was through coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I moved out here, I immediately, like within a month, I like started a, a year long training program. So at this point, it's been three and a half, four years that I've been involved in coaching work. Do you work with uh, like mostly trans people? I work with some trans people. Um, I love working with trans people. It's so special. Like teens and shit, like coaching them, like how to come out and show. I haven't worked with any teens. I would love to do some of that. That sounds great. Um, but I mostly work with women, like queer women seems to be the vibe. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
And that's your passion? Yeah. Yeah, I like helping people feel like like they can enjoy their bodies and their relationships more. Because I think a lot of us aren't taught those skills when we're little. Like we have so much shame we have to like unlearn. So mm. what I help people do is I help them feel secure in themselves so they can feel secure in their relationships and they can have really enjoyable sex. So what is one thing that you wish uh, when you were growing up that you would have done differently? Mm. Wow, what a question. Well, for sure, I wish I could have like come out earlier or been just less in hiding about all the aspects of my life, not just the queer trans parts, but just I was so like a shell, you know, I was so buried away. And then part of me is like, well, I don't know if I was actually safe to express like that. Like I would have like been in danger. Um, so it's hard to know. But if I could, I, I would love to have like been just more unapologetically myself. Mm. Okay. Well, tell the people where they can like find you if they have any questions, uh, if they want to reach out to you. Give them your social media handles if you want and where they can find us. Play party. Do you accept? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell. Yeah. How does one, if they want to go to your play parties, how, do, how does one do that? You know what I'm saying? Tell them all that information. Yeah. Um, so if you want to check out my work, um, you know, I host play parties, cuddle puddles, energy healings. There's a lot. Um, you can go to my website, thehumanconditioncoaching.com. My Instagram handle is sex positive healing separated by periods. Um, and I've got a class coming up called empowered sexuality, August 3rd, it's starting. So, um, yeah, if you want to feel more secure in your sexuality and just enjoy your body, enjoy your sex more, sign up for this class. It's eight weeks and it's online. So anyone can sign up for it. And when you say anyone, like anyone, anyone, anyone. with a vulva. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's directed towards uh, people that share like similar social conditioning as myself. Okay, okay. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, this was another episode of Everyday Celebrity Podcast. I want to thank Forrest for joining me and talking about uh, your life. Very respected that you came on here and shared uh, some stuff that was uh, that some people would never share. Um, bravery that's that's what i think of when when i listen to this episode and please follow follow uh, on instagram and if you are a trans person or if you are a person a teenager and if you listen to this and if you want somebody to talk to this is the person i think you should uh you should contact because you always want to talk to people who went through the same shit that you're going through. You can't talk to a marriage counselor who never been married. You know, you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> that's that's basically what uh, what I'm trying to say. But uh, yeah, thank you, Forrest, for coming on. Any last words? Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I, like I said, like I'm an open book, and I'm really happy to like use whatever platform I can just to help people like 
feel less afraid of trans people. Like we're just regular people. Mm. You know? Yeah. Well, this is Everyday Celebrity Podcast and we are out. You. <laughs>